pre-pandemic, we were at about a 20 million run rate and office parks were about 4 million of that. So we had grown it to 4 million ARR. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. You want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Scott Wingo. He's a four-time entrepreneur based out of the Research Triangle Park region uh, in the North Carolina, South Carolina sort of area. Before Spiffy, he started Channel Advisor in 2001 and took it public in 2013. Now he's exploring the intersection of digital services and car care. Scott, you ready to take us to the top? I am. How are you, Nathan? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Still in the Research Triangle Park area? I am. Yeah, we just uh, dodged a hurricane as of recording here, so uh, always always fun in this area. So uh, we we had a narrow miss, so it was, it was good to see that go by us and, and not hit us. That's good. Yeah, we're recording here on August 5th. So if people missed our first interview we did together, which is back on April 30th in 2017, give it a refresher. What, what's Spiffy doing? Yeah, so, so I started... Uh, as you mentioned, channel advisor in the e-commerce world. So I, I love e-commerce and love this intersection of, of digital, digital uh, you know, things going digital, or as Andreessen Horowitz says, soccer eating the world. Had my first Uber experience in 2011. And as an e-commerce guy, what it meant to me was we're going to see services go digital like we've seen products go digital. If you look at, I'm, I'm also a hobby economist, uh, uh, and if you look at the GDP of the United States, consumer services are twice the size as consumer goods. So as an entrepreneur, I said, that's going to be big. So something twice the size of e-commerce is pretty large. And it, I think it's going to happen faster because it's taken a long time for e-commerce to get to where it is because we had to get digital payments and the phones and all this stuff, broadband and all this jazz. All that's in place now. So um, started Spiffy as a way to explore this area. Um, I had previously owned uh, some car washes. So this kind of intersection of digital services and taking care of your car was really interesting to me. Uh, yeah, that's decided to start Spiffy in 2014. So I've been at, at it about six years now. And when you came out in 2017, I think you said you'd raised about seven million bucks. Still seven million raised, or did you raise additional capital? Uh, I, you know, fortunately, knock on wood, have been uh, fortunate enough to raise more. So I've raised a little north of 30 million. Okay. And what, when did you do that? Was that in response to COVID or pre-COVID? Pre-COVID, yeah. So in that, in those three years from, you know, our two years from 17 to 19, we raised about 30 million. Uh, uh, 20, 20 additional from kind of like when you and I last talked. Yep. And if people are listening to this and they want to follow along as we capture more of your story here, they go to getspiffy.com. What will they see? What can they pay you for? 
Yeah, so um, we, we have a variety of different types of customers for, for the individual. Um, it's on-demand car care. So you either use our website or download an app, and we will come to you and take care of your car. We started in wash and detail. We've added oil change, and we're actually experimenting with tires. So we have a, um, you know, um, unlike Uber, where it's a 1099 marketplace, uh, our, we decided early on to take a page from Amazon's playbook. And these are our employees. So we figured if someone's going to be touching your car, which for many people is one of their top assets, we want them to be uniformed, trained, and using the, all of our equipment so that there's, they're, they're doing the best job possible. So, a, um, so through our, our app, uh, which is the highest fidelity experience, you can manage everything around your car. So we come to you either at work or at home, take care of your vehicle and take that off your to-do list. So busy entrepreneurs like your listeners uh, should be right in their wheelhouse. I was about to say my check engine light on my 2009 gray Prius parked outside has been on for about six months for two reasons. Number one, I don't believe it. I think it's an upsell strategy by the manufacturer. Uh, and number, num- number two, I'm lazy and I don't have time to go stop by to get my oil changed and sit there in the car shop. This is what you build Spiffy for. Yeah, it's kind of what part of the convenience economy um, that I learned a lot about in the e-commerce world. Uh, the ultimate convenience is Amazon Prime, right? Where people raise their hand and say, "I'll pay a hundred dollars to get my stuff faster and shipped to my house." Um, so that that is our customer on the consumer side is the busy uh, person like you, um, or uh, we have a lot of busy moms that use our service. And yeah, so you know, no one ever woke up and said, "Wow, I'm really looking forward to uh, spending an hour in this quick lube place uh, with my gray Prius." Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. or, you know, or the Toyota dealer. Um, COVID's amplified a lot of that kind of stuff, as you can imagine. So you know, not only was it not fun before COVID, but now, you know, um, you know, none of these lobbies are essentially clean. And there's, you know, the, uh, the use of PPE is kind of scattered across these kind of folks. And so, so it's even like the rest of, of e-commerce, um, we're seeing a, a pretty big lift uh, on our consumer business from COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something uh, I'm looking at your pricing now and comparing it to my notes from 2017. For some reason in my 2017 notes, I have our ARPU at, down as a thousand dollars. But now when I go to your site, th- there are options where I can pay you 59 bucks to get the spiffy car wash, for example. Did you move from enterprise to direct to consumer or something? Yeah. What, what that is, is, um, so uh, prior to COVID, uh, office parks are the number one channel for consumers. Oh. And on average, we make $1,000 a month at an office park. So that's I our, see. Yeah. Yeah. Our, I see. our average selling price is like $65. Um, uh, so definitely not $1,000 to take care of your car. But yeah. at office parks, we make $1,000 at, at the office park. We get this kind of recurring revenue, very SaaS-like kind of a business model at office parks. And then uh, we're also, since you and I talked, we've really expanded our fleet operation. Um, and also, since you and I last talked, we're now in 17 markets. And I think when we talked, we were probably in five. 17 markets. So what does that mean? Major cities? Yeah. Yeah. So Raleigh, Charlotte, uh, Denver, Phoenix, Las Vegas, LA, San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., uh, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, just, just kind of uh, Dallas, if I didn't say that. All domestic for now, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, all domestic. Okay. So what it, let's talk real quick about the office park model. Cause again, when you came on, I think you said you had about 170 office parks average was a grand per month. So we kind of backed into a run rate there of like a 2 million run rate from office parks. No one today is going into office parks. Has that revenue completely, you lost it all basically to COVID? It has. Yeah. There, we're actually starting to see it here in uh, North Carolina. I forget where you're located, but uh, it's Texas, back, Austin. Yeah. 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 I'm sure in Austin, uh, we're seeing it in Dallas as well. Um, it, it's, it's coming back. Um, 
So as as we're in like phase four here in the North, in the Carolinas and people are starting to go back to their offices, I do think it's going to be a year before it gets to some normalcy. So, Where was so, it before? Uh, yeah. Uh, so for us, uh, so from that we we were pre pandemic we were at about a twenty million run rate and office parks were about four million of that. So we had grown it to four million ARR. Yeah, that's that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. The, so, so for when the pandemic hit, uh, part of our pandemic remediation was to really swing hard over to the residential side. So we, we replaced a lot of that with residential services. Um, they're both profitable for us, but if we, if we had our choice, we would do office park, but obviously we didn't have a choice with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So help let's, let's understand that for a second. So in, let's just use July, for example, how many unique sort of consumers paid you at least a dollar for one of your services? Um, that's a good question. So every day we do a thousand services and I would say, um, 150 a day are consumers. Okay. So times 30, so 4,500. Yep. For, can, okay. So hold on. So 150 are direct to consumer. The other 850 are what? Fleet. Oh, yeah, so that's what you meant when you said fleet. So that's like, yeah. what is that? Like Uber cars or... Yeah, so we've partnered. We work with Uber, Lyft, Turo. Um, our biggest fleet customers are rental car companies. Um, so the big guys, Enterprise, oh. Hertz, Avis, Advantage, etc. Um, you know, the, what's been really interesting with the pandemic is they got hit very hard early on, like the rest of the travel industry. But they've come back very rapidly because what's happening is, let's say you're in Austin and you want to go to, you want to come visit me in Raleigh. You're probably not going to fly. Most people's confidence in the airlines are, are very low. Um, they have the highest COVID concerns with being on an airplane. Um, so people are driving a lot more. So if you're going to drive from Austin to Raleigh, that's like a 18 hour trip, I'd estimate. Um, you're probably not going to want to put that on your 2009 gray Prius that has a check engine light. So you're probably going to, you know, it's a very good economical decision. My mom's going to uh, love you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take care of that. that <laughs> uh, the uh, if I have to send someone from Dallas, we'll we'll get it. There you go. The, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so it's a very good economic decision for you to rent a car versus putting those miles on. So what the rental car industry seen is they're almost back to 90 percent of pre COVID levels, even though wow. air travels still at like you know ten percent. Yep. And so just to run the math, if you're at sort of a twenty million run rate today, which you mean about one point six million a month in revenue across one thousand a day sort of kind of services, so thirty thousand services sort of rendered, that's like a f- average price of fifty-three bucks per service, something like that. Fifty-five. Yeah, on a blended basis. So consumers kind of are on the higher end. And then with our fleet customers, we're literally going to locations and doing sixty services all lined up. So our economics get better. So we can offer a lower um, ASP for, for those kind of wholesale experiences for those 30,000 sort of services done. Obviously that those 60 services are going to all belong to one Hertz, one customer versus 60 individual consumers who are going to their home as 60 individual customers. How many total customers would you have again, counting Hertz just as one where you do 60 services? Uh, we probably have 20 to 30 large fleet clients. Yeah. Okay. And so then there's like 800 or 900 then cut consumer customers every month. Yep. Interesting. Do you see recurring patterns here? Do they get their car serviced once a month? We do. It's kind of addictive. Um, so, um, <laughs> and, and in the, you know, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, most people don't drink Starbucks every day and it's kind of a treat, right? So, um, getting your car feeds a treat. We do skew, um, you know, higher on the female <coughs> side versus the average internet, uh, you know, demo, 
um, yeah. So, uh, so there's a lot of moms and they're like, you know, right now everyone feels like your life's chaotic. This pandemic has kind of created things we can't control. So having your car clean is one of those things that's just kind of very, um, you know, for a lot of people is very pleasing. So, so to put some math on it, I know you're a math guy, uh, over 60% of our um, revenue each month is from existing customers on the consumer side. Like it's like 95% on the fleet side. So there's a high recurrence on the fleet side, obviously, you know, once you're in with like enterprise and that 17 locations, you're going to do a lot of business with them. We also work with like U-Haul and Carvana and all those guys we mentioned. So, so yeah, so there's, um, you know, there's a high recurrence on a monthly basis. Um, and then most of our customers, the average consumer washes their car every six months. We've got monthly washers, quarterly washers, six months and annual. So, you know, there's a variety of, of use cases we see. Mm-hmm. And of your, you said of your 20 million run rate, 4 million of that is the Hertz's, the U-Hauls, the, the fleet services or backwards? Uh, backwards, 16, 16 million. million. Yeah. Interesting. What did Hertz do before you? Did they have their own full-time employees doing this? This is a fun story. And this is kind of part of the interesting things about startups. You, you kind of, I liken it to you're, you're pulling a string on a sweater and you never know like what's going to, are you going to unravel the string or is it just going to yeah. pop out there? Right. So we, we introduced oil change right after you and I talked, I think we were probably in pilot mode with it because it was the number one requested things consumers wanted. They wanted us to come and do an oil change. So we had to innovate and, and create a truck that could do wash and oil. And we did all this stuff. And then serendipity happened. One day we were literally doing a wash at a, a rental car partner and the, the oil truck had oil branding on it, spiffy oil change. And the, the, the guy literally said, Oh my God, you do oil changes. And we said, yeah, we're, we're working on piloting it for consumers. He said, look at those 60 cars over there. They're waiting on an oil change. And we asked the same question. But you have mechanics on staff. Why aren't they doing it? The way the math works is they pay these ASE certified mechanics thirty to fifty dollars an hour, and when you pay someone that much, their triage list is you know, uh, you know engine problems, brakes, batteries, anything else but oil change. So, so they really don't want them working on oil change because an oil change has a perceived value of forty dollars, um, and you, you just don't want to spend more labor on it than it's worth. So what they do is they let them accumulate and then they valet them to a quick loop place. Um, mm. So so our, our value prop is we say, all right, that's great. But look, those cars are sitting there for five days on average, losing $50 a day in rental opportunity. We're going to give you a button on your phone. You press that button, say we've got 60 cars. We'll be there in uh, less than 24 hours, usually you know, for 60 cars, we could probably be there in like 30 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to knock those out for you. You don't have to valet them. We'll do them in place. You don't have to move them. And uh, you can get those cars back out rented instantaneously. So mm-hmm. that's, that's once we discovered that, um, then we said, wow, is this an anomaly? So we started selling against that. And we just found it's the case everywhere. And no one had thought to solve this because it's just one of those things that, you know, they had a solution today that was good enough. But we came in with a twenty times better solution that 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 you know they had never kind of thought of needing. Mm. I'm I'm curious what capex and your human labor looks like on this. So how many of these trucks or these fleet these vehicles do you hold on your balance sheet, depreciating assets? Yeah, I'm a software guy, so I, I'm glad you're sitting down. So uh, <laughs> uh, we 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 have 210 trucks across the United States. Oh um, my goodness. And you've yeah. per- obviously you've purchased all of them. Now you probably can get them without putting all cash up, right? You can probably get loans on them. Yeah. What's really interesting is there's a whole leasing infrastructure we've discovered around um, this world. So we lease uh, 95% of it. And you can even, we, oh. we put a lot of equipment in the trucks. We lease that as well. So, so it, it really is 
converts it from a CapEx to an OpEx, which is really nice. What was the last city you opened in? Uh, the last city we opened in, um, uh, probably let's, let's say Phoenix. Ignoring humans, when you add up all your leasing and all your equipment rental and all that, just to get the thing in place to then put a human in, to be able to service the trucks and go to locations, what does it cost you to open a new city? Um, so ignoring humans. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so just, just the equipment is sub 20 K. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. That includes the truck. And so what's the minimum you require for a place like Phoenix? Is it one truck, two trucks, five? Yeah. So we like to start a truck like that at like four trucks. Um, and then a city like Phoenix, we start at four, we start with a fleet client, um, as kind of an anchor because that, that lets us get the revenue up to kind of a million run rate. And then we can layer in residential services. Um, another, this is actually a good time to bring this up. Another thing we're doing, um, due to the pandemic is, um, the number one inbound request we get is from people that want to franchise uh, what we do at Spiffy. Um, and we've been reluctant to do that because we wanted to really kind of get the playbook so that we could you know, make it so that anyone could be successful with this. Also, as a, you know, there, there's a lot of negativity around franchising. Um, you know, I've, I've discovered there's a lot of snake oil and that kind of stuff. So, so during the pandemic, we started looking at this and um, you're, you're very data driven. And so am I. One of the things that drives me crazy is there are people like, let's pick on Austin. There's people in Austin that download our app and request a service every day. And it kills me as an entrepreneur to have that just kind of fall on the floor. So, so we have way more demand than we can handle. And some of it's out of our service area. And when we do an analysis on that, a very rich area um, where we get a lot of demand is what I would call tier two cities. So uh, San Antonio, to kind of give you an example of a Texas city that you'd be familiar with. We'll never go to San Antonio, but it's a great city has population 500K, I would guess, maybe approaching a million, kind of a larger metro area. That's a great place for a spiffy location. Um, but we've decided we would like to franchise those kind of cities in this 500 to 800,000. So we've, we've opened up franchising. So what we what we tell franchisees, which is true for ourselves as well, is uh, you know the, the get started cash outlay is pretty small. Um, but then all in, you know, you start and you're, you're losing money like any startup and then you kind of get to profitability. Um, you know, all in to get a city profitable for us is somewhere around hundred to 200 K and a lot of it depends on how big we start. Um, so if we start with four trucks, that's going to be like the 150. we could start with two or three trucks and get it down to sub hundred K. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So you say you will never go into a city like San Antonio because you're saying, you know what, there's no way we get to like a max run right here of a million. And we certainly can't scale it past that. It's better to have it be a franchise model and let someone go make 700 grand a year. Yeah. It's really an opportunity cost question. So, so we're going after the 50 largest metros owned and operated. Um, and I come up with that metric because when Amazon rolled out prime now, they, Amazon's available everywhere, right? Um, and they have 250 fulfillment centers, but they stopped at City 50 for Prime Now, which is their same day delivery. And when I asked the lady that runs that, why'd you stop at 50 cities? The answer is we can get to 85% of Prime households by just being in 50 markets in the United States. As a software guy, never having done this geographical kind of board game thing that we do at Spiffy, I was under the impression we'd have to open up 300 markets um, to kind of cover what we want to cover. But but Amazon kind of, you know, I figure their data is pretty good. Yeah. They, they basically kind of said, no, you can, your roadmap's really 50 cities. So that's what we're really focused on. And we're in 17 of those 50. And those are the ones we've reserved for ourselves. And so then we'll never have the, the you know, it's going to take us another five years to get those knocked out. So we'll never have the opportunity to go to San Antonio. Um, we would probably move to, 
international at that point and go into Canada or London or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it creates this, this nice kind of layer where we think franchising makes sense because you could build a very profitable business in San Antonio. That's a great business and, um, just not on, you know, not uh, a priority for us. 210 trucks, 95% leased along with all the equipment. So you avoid CapEx. It's more OpEx. Humans obviously are critical here. Someone has to drive the truck. Someone has to be a train mechanic to service and do the oil change. How many full-time employees do you have on your team today? Yeah, right now we're at about 150. Um, and that's lower than the number of trucks. Um, and that's because of the pandemic. So, so at our peak, um, we had about 300 technicians. I, um, of the 150 today, how many are technicians? That they're... That's our technician count. We have about oh, oh. 40 people in headquarters, 150 technicians. So about 200 total people. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So 150 technicians. Interesting. And so um, what happens to the, are you able to cancel the leases on the trucks you're not currently using, or do you just have to eat that as OPEX? Yeah. During these pandemic times, uh, we've been able to work out with our partners, both for leasing uh, you know, facilities as well as leasing vans to, to get some accommodations there to help during the pandemic. Hmm. This is interesting. Okay, cool. Well, listen, we got a lot of number of questions here. We got a lot of sort of growth strategy. I mean, a question I have for you is you say you're in 17 markets now, you'll stop sort of at 50 or 50 is what you want to get to in the States to get 85% coverage. I imagine if I was the VC writing the last check, they're going, wait, Scott, you're in almost half right now doing a 20 million run rate. So are you saying like the max opportunity here is a $40 million run rate? Obviously your answer is no. So how do you generate more revenue per city over time? Yeah, so there's the maturity of the city. So in most of those cities, we're just doing fleet, right? So we mm-hmm. haven't even turned on consumer. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, one of the metrics I use is if you look at our Raleigh market, which is one of our, our biggest ones, it's our home market, we're getting, um, you know, $3 for every million people in our per capita. So so, so that's kind of the, the ceiling uh, that I'm aware of right now that we can get to. When I apply that to our 17 markets we're in, it's already like, 80 million. Um, so then, you know, so, so there's, there's a penetration in each city. Um, and then the other growth drivers we have are more services. So I mentioned we're experimenting with tires. Mm-hmm. So, uh, rolling out tires everywhere and then lines of business. So we're really only consumer in five of our markets. We, we, we turned on a little bit of it, um, for, for a pandemic in 17, but we've pulled back on that because fleets come back. So, um, and then, you know, there's, we're always looking at new kinds of lines of business or channels. So another one we're experimenting with is our, our B2B customers ask us if we could work on larger trucks and things like that, 18 wheelers and box trucks. Um, part of the, the, you know, the, the supply chain for e-commerce is running so hard, the trucks have no time to stop. So they have the check engine light like you do. And so, uh, so we've rolled out in eight of our markets, a ability to do higher, you know, larger trucks as well. So. So, you know, at some point I could see we could help dealers. Um, and then, you know, the other area that, that's kind of very green for us is autonomous fleets. There's a lot of innovation going on around the vehicle we keep track of, and we have a lot of ideas of things we could do there as well. So all those are growth vectors that we haven't even really tapped into yet. But, but in your most mature market, it's $3 per capita top line revenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting way to think about the P&L. If we continue that down, so can, what can you hit net on $3 per capita? Uh, net 20% now. Okay. And I think we can get to 25. Okay. So that's 70 cents, 60 cents per capita in terms of net. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And in terms of, again, the costs, uh, obviously that, that, that eat up $2 and 30 cents, 
the biggest I imagine is, is the people is the technician, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, it's kind of interesting coming from the software as a service world. You know, I, I love 85% gross margins or, or whatever. <laughs> Most SaaS companies have really high gross margins. And I love that, but you, you end up spending it on sales and marketing. Um, you know, one of the really fascinating things about Spiffy that, that keeps me highly engaged having, you know, spent 30 years battling for every lead and working them through a funnel. We have business that just shows up at our door that we turn away. Um, so, so there's, you know, when you create a better mousetrap and you're in the right kind of, uh, mega trends that are happening. Uh, you, you don't have to spend much on sales and marketing. So our sales and marketing as a percent of revenue has gone down and it's sub 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see it getting to sub 10%. So, so what we burn up in labor and in cogs, we more than make up for compared to a traditional like software recurring revenue business in a very low sales and marketing, very low R&D. Those 17 cities are on one software platform and, and it could support 500 cities because it's in the cloud, right? Yeah. So um, so where we lack leverage in COGS, we gain it underneath the, the rest of the expenses. Scott, this is good stuff. Let's wrap up. I could, By the way, I could see you eventually. I mean, if you end up building like, you know, Amazon One's last mile delivery, they have a fleet of drivers. But if you end up building like last mile services, Right. Where it's like now uh, I'm going to make this up. Uh, Direct TV is licensing your fleet to do installs of their routers when people buy a new. I mean, you can sell that space for all kinds of stuff, I imagine. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We want to kind of start at the car and then provide more services. We we don't have to be anchored to the car. Um, We could move into some home things. But even even better, um, and, and and you'll get this. So so I'm a obviously a, an Amazon nerd. Um, you know the genius of Amazon is they're a software company that that kind of built the software by build, building a retailer that has super low margins, uh, and then you know they they ultimately licensed that software out, and that became AWS as we know it today. Um, so I think we're building the operating system for a digital services company. So uh, even better, I want to go to your electrician, your HVAC guy, and say, look. Nathan needs a digital experience. He's, you're going to have to have an app to work with Nathan um, in, in three years because that's just going to be table stakes. Yep. Um, there's no way you know, the Austin electrician is going to go build an app. Um, so, so we can provide them that, that really kind of high-end, front-end experience and then also the back-end piece to go make that happen and deliver to you a much better digital experience. Smart mousetrap today with oil changes, big TAM in the future for being that platform. I'm excited to watch it grow. Scott, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, it's a tough one. I'm going to go good to great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, Elon. Got to do it. <laughs> Spaceships and electric cars. What, what Doesn't get cool? better. Doesn't get better than that. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Spiffy? Favorite online tool. Um, I just found this really cool uh, demographic uh, tool for, um, you know, you can go in any area. Like I could go in Austin and draw a circle within 10 miles of the airport and know the demographics of that city. It's called Spotlight. So it's, it's been super interesting for, another, again, a software guy that, that's never done this geographic thing. Mm-hmm. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Six. And situation, married, single kids? Uh, married, three kids, married and three kiddos. Good. And how old are you? I am 52, 52. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? I would say, uh, buy as much Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Netflix stock as you can. That's different. Last time you said, trust your instincts. (laughs) 
I love that. Guys, there you have it. Get Spiffy right now doing a $20 million run rate, servicing several thousand or a thousand a day, basically car uh, oil changes, car cleanings, etc. A lot of their market, 16 million of their run rate is servicing fleets like U-Haul fleets or car rental fleets, things like that. But they also turn on obviously the consumer piece on that. And each of these cities they're expanding to once they hit a million dollar run rate, they're in 17 markets right now looking to expand to the 50 top markets in the States, which give them 85% coverage. Ultimately, Scott, looking to build really the platform to do this sort of thing for anything services to a consumer's home or to a, a fleet's work spot. Spot, Scott, thanks for taking us to the top. That was a perfect summary. I need you to go on VC pitches with me. I'll, <laughs> I'll have my people call your people. Thanks, Dave, All right, Scott. It.